it's the old saying, if, if you can't be on time, be early with your deadline. So that's what I try to shoot for. If I'm not writing or being productive about my writing, that could be editing, could be working on scenes. There's a certain guilt that sets in. So <laughs> that is really driving me to like, okay, write every day. And if, I, if I'm not writing every day, I'm feeling unproductive. Welcome to the Become a Writer Today podcast with Brian Collins. Here you'll find practical advice and interviews for all kinds of writers. Deadlines. Should you be afraid of them? And how much should you plan your books or even your series of books? Hi there. My name is Brian Collins. Welcome to the Become a Writer Today podcast. As I've mentioned before on previous episodes, in my 20s, I was a journalist. Granted, not a very good one, but I learned one important lesson from my time working as a journalist. That is the importance of deadlines. I learned this lesson because one day my editor called me into the room and said, Brian, if you can't hit your deadlines, you'll be fired. That quickly prompted me to start shipping my stories into the editor on time. The fact is, if you're an author today, deadlines are not something to be feared or something to be afraid of. Deadlines can help you write book chapters, sections of your book, and even your entire book on time. They can help you work with editors for your book and then ship it so you can start earning book royalties. If you need help setting deadlines for your book, I recommend that you break it down into smaller milestones. So rather than saying, I'm going to write a book in six months, say to yourself, I'm going to write Act 1 in one month and put that date in your Google Calendar. Then you can go one step further by setting a deadline for what you're going to write this week. More advanced authors will use thinking like this to map out an entire series. That's something that this week's guest did. His name is Mark Pulaski, and he's an experienced journalist who worked for CNBC and the Wall Street Journal. My key takeaway from talking to Mark was, of course, about the importance of deadlines, but I was also fascinated to hear about his approach to planning out an entire series, something that he started to do during the lockdown, and he has five books planned for his particular series. So I hope you enjoyed this week's interview with Mark Pulaski. If you do, please consider leaving a short review on the iTunes store because more reviews and ratings will help more writers find the Become a Writer Today podcast. You could also share the show with another writer or another friend on Overcast, Spotify, Stitcher or wherever you're listening. And do hang on for the end of the interview when Mark describes his process for turning his book into an audio book. Finally, we had an audio issue during this week's interview. So to make sure you can get something practical from the interview with Mark, I've gone through and edited the interview and added some commentary rather than relying on a typical Q&A format. If you have feedback about this new type of format, because I haven't really tried this before in the Become a Writer Today podcast, please let me know. My journey of, to becoming a writer, I was a full-time journalist and my company had decided to relocate my position back to the East Coast and I was in Seattle at the time and chose not to, to make the move. And believe it or not, I ran into an old friend in a parking lot. He was the creator of Pictionary. And he was looking to do his an autobiography on the game that he created and asked me if I'd ever written a book. And I said, I had not, but I'd be willing to help him. And so over the course of several months, we talked about outlining his book and working on what that would look like, what the chapters would look like, what the voice would look like. Eventually, he ended up going with a ghostwriter, but it sort of set off in my mind what it would be like to be a, a writer. And I decided 
that would be a good chance, good time just to take the opportunity and devote six months to trying to write my own books. And I was off to the races. This was just, yeah, it was like 2018, yep, before the pandemic hit. And so once that happened, I know a lot of people felt dislocated over the pandemic since I was writing. It was the perfect time for me. I mean, you know, I just kind of closed myself off into my study and just wrote nonstop. Next, I asked Mark if he found it difficult to transition from working in a busy newsroom to writing a thriller by himself. You know, I did. I was a reporter all my life until I got into management. And the writing style is totally different. And the discipline is different since you don't have any editor really standing over you and with a deadline. So it was more self-imposed discipline in writing. And, you know, finding your own voice was a journey. And it was turned out to be a, a lot of fits and starts, but eventually ended up really a very fluid sort of style for myself. So yeah, it was good. Mark described in detail how his experiences in busy newsrooms in the United States informed his writing process for his thriller books. The biggest newsroom I ever really worked in was at the Kansas City Star years ago. And it was one of those mazes of just desk upon desk. And they had the old copy editors in the middle and a lot of yelling. And over time, walls started to get built. Cubicles got built for reporters. So there was a lot of it was more quiet newsrooms later in my career than than earlier. But what I did miss is just the camaraderie that you have with reporters. Reporters have a very jaded sense of humor and outlook on life. And that was always like uh, fuel every morning coming in and getting the perspective of your fellow reporters. And throughout the course of the day, just communicating with them and having back and forth. That was hard to replace, and I don't know that you could ever replace it. I asked Mark if he was inspired by some of the people he worked with during his career and how he worked these inspirations into his series. Yes, the protagonist is Nick Byron, and it's sort of a tip of the cap to a reporter that used to work for me who wrote a, a column called Through the Keyhole for the New York Observer. Chris Byron was his name, and he was a muckraker and a first-class muckraker and a, just a, a bomb the aunt. And he passed away several years ago, but he was always digging up dirt on people, and especially financial journalism and going after crooks in the financial industry. And, and if you got a call from Chris Byron, your next call was to your PR person to try to figure out how you were going to handle, because you, you know the questions he was coming at you with were not going to be pleasant. And he wrote the book on, it was called Martha Inc. on Martha Stewart, just before her downfall and her going off to prison. So, you know, he was... He came at journalism with uh, tongs and hammer, and it was quite a character. I asked Mark to elaborate on why he decided to write thriller books, considering that many journalists and nonfiction writers tend to write these types of books, even when they move away from their traditional careers. One, I've, I've had a pretty interesting career in reporting in terms of, you know, big stories or scandals that have happened. When I was a reporter with the Journal, I was in the Dallas Bureau. And, you know, not long after joining the Bureau, we had the Oklahoma City bombing. And I was one of the first reporters on the scene covering that. And the two people that were eventually charged with that bombing, Timothy McVeigh and Nichols, I always was sort of fascinated about you know, their, 
how they rented a truck and drove it across the Midwest and down to Oklahoma City and, you know, what their conversations were like and how they came about to really creating this and pull, in fact, assaulting Oklahoma City and, and blowing up the federal building there and, and murdering all those people. And so while my books are thrillers and fiction, they are based on experiences I've seen as a, as a reporter and events that I've covered as a reporter. So there's an interweaving of fiction and nonfiction. Mark elaborated on how thriller books he's read has inspired him. You know, I was a big fan of John Sanford, Jean Lacar, and I've fallen into C.J. Box recently, so I have. But I've, I've read a lot of nonfiction as well, really kind of all over the map in terms of my, of my reading. I love hearing how authors will sometimes plan stories and even an entire series in advance. This was an approach Mark took, which he described to me. I wrote the first book is called Newshound, and it will now be a prequel. Instead of starting with the first book in the series, we started with the second book, which is Hack, which was published on July 12th. And then that will be followed by Friendly Fire, which will come out in spring of 2023. And then that will be followed by Blackbird, which will come out in the fall of 2023. Newshound, the original book in the series, will be a prequel. And the fifth one I'm working on now is called uh, Rendezvous. And I just, I've been struggling with it. I had a lot of good scenes that I had in my head and down on paper, but I couldn't really connect all of them together. So I threw out everything I had written and started over. And just this week, I finally polished off the first chapter of it. And I felt pretty good about it. Mark struck me as a pretty productive author, so I asked him to describe his early morning writing routine and also if he has any other effective work habits which help him. You know, I'm still one of those old school journalists. I get the New York Times and Wall Street Journal delivered and, you know, read um, and pay out the paper. Yep. Get up early in the morning and, and read my newspapers and I look at uh, CNBC and follow CNBC just because of my history with them. And generally settle into writing around 11 o'clock and then write straight through to five or six o'clock. And generally when I start, I go back and read what I wrote the day before and, and polish it and probably spend way too much time going over it again. But I do and then set my course on the next chapter and the next scenes that I want to sort of create. I would say in the first four books, uh, the first two I wrote longhand and then transcribed. The last two I outlined longhand and then just wrote on the computer. And this last one, the fifth book, I've kind of just made notes and then tried to write it. And so I'm going to go back and, and outline it all now and see if that will help me kind of kickstart it a little bit more. I was pretty impressed by Mark's process that he was able to sit down and write out entire book chapters longhand. And I told him about how I sometimes try to write like this, but I usually end up with repetitive strain injury. So, I, yeah, I mean, it took a lot of notes longhand as a reporter. And what I found as a, re a reporter and also in my writing is that when I do something longhand, it sticks with me in my memory. So if someone gave me a quote and I wrote it down longhand, I would remember it verbatim. But if someone gave me a quote and I was trying to type it, I would have less a recall on it. So just for some reason, the brain connected to the fingers, it just seemed to work better for me. And the flow was good. And it's easy to rip out a page out of the yellow note back and throw it away and start all over too. That's a pretty, pretty simple way. I'm writing in longhand and probably most people couldn't read it because my penmanship is not 
very classic. <laughs> it's kind of messy, but it's all longhand. I mean, it's all written out, not shorthand. Some thriller authors are pantsers and some are plotters. So which is Mark? The last book I wrote, Blackbird, was a little bit more the seat of the pants. The first three, the scenes were pretty much developed in my head and then on paper. So, and this is the one I'm currently working on. I have the scenes in my head, but not on paper. So that's, that's what I'm, I'm going to go back and do that just to kind of firm things up a little bit. I couldn't help but wonder, does this approach mean that Mark will sometimes change the ending of a book that he has outlined or prescribed long in advance? And when I've got to the end, occasionally it will change a little bit, even when I had an idea of how it was going to end. Um, but I let the sort of the characters determine that in, in some ways and, you know, try to think, OK, so if this the character is really looking at this, how would that play out in their own head? So that ends up influencing it. But I do have some idea of where it's going. Yeah. I also asked Mark if he hires a transcriptionist to type up his notes or he does this himself. And if so, does he have trouble reading his handwriting? Because this is a problem that I have when I sometimes look back on my old notebooks. I do it all myself, which is great because what it allows you to do is you edit while you're going. So, you know, it's, you're taking it from the long hand onto the keyboard. And I, I think there's a fluidity involved that really makes the story better. Next, I asked Mark to describe his editing process. The first book on Newshound, I had an outside editor uh, look at it. And we sent that, we went back and forth a couple of times. And then I sent it to a couple of agents. And, you know, it, it was just very fortunate that one of the first agents we sent it to loved the book. And so he took up me as, as a client. And then I would, on my second book, I just finished it after a week or so of, of kind of fine tuning it, sent it off back to my agent and he read it and we got feedback. And so that's how it, how it evolved for me. Some authors go in fear of deadlines, not Mark. He uses them to hold himself to accountability. Here's what he said. You know, I, I think it's good for me to have a deadline. And, and I usually... It's the old saying, if you can't be on time, be early with your deadline. So that's what I try to shoot for. If I'm not writing or being productive about my writing, that could be editing, could be working on scenes. There's a certain guilt that sets in. So <laughs> that is really driving me to like, okay, write every day. And if, I, if I'm not writing every day, I'm feeling unproductive. And what I've discovered is that by doing that, you can turn out a book in, in a year or so or less. It usually takes me around seven months, six, seven months to finish just from start to finish on the first four. And I haven't imposed a deadline per se, but I have imposed discipline about my daily writing. And that leads to the finished product. So how long should a good thriller book be? Yeah, all of them are in the 70 to low 80s. Yeah. Did that mean Mark actually tracked his word count in a granular way? Or did he take a different type of approach? Early on, I did. And it wasn't so much daily word count. So when it was longhand, it was, okay, I need to fill eight pages, you know, of a yellow tablet. And then when I started writing on the, on the computer and on the keyboard, it was pretty clear what the word count came in. And it was usually between 800 and 1,200 words. Mark described to me his process for seeking feedback from colleagues, from friends, from family members and from beta readers. And this is a hugely important step for any aspiring author. Well, so the feedback I got 
which is different in, in journalism was, okay, you know, have a satisfying ending was one of, from a, a book editor. And that sort of stuck with me that, you know, as you take your reader through this maze that you don't want the ending just to be flat or predictable or to be uneventful. So that's one thing that I, I keep on coming back to. And also about, you know, having the characters, at least your main characters, approachable, if not likable. And so those, I would say those are the, the two disciplines I kind of adhere to. Mark said this when I asked him about his approach to editing sentences line by line. It's more focused on sentence structure and how I hear the voice in my head than what I'm actually seeing on the screen or on the paper. And, you know, does that sound authentic? Does that sound in the moment? Is that what someone would really say? And is that what the character would say? So it's, it's really, even though I've been an editor all my life or a long part of my uh, career, uh, it's more about what I hear than what I'm seeing. Considering he's planned out books for the next year or two, does Mark have any plans to go back and revisit the books that he's already written but which are not published yet. A Newshound, which was the original book, and I just made a, a note to myself today to go back and reread it, which I haven't really done since I finished it a couple years ago. And I suspect I will be making some structural changes to that manuscript just because the way that the way the series has unfolded with the second book coming out first and going back and looking at that. And it being the first book, there are probably a lot of things I thought were really well done and the editor thought was well done and the agent thought was well done. But now, given what I know about publishing, I will probably go back and and with a more critical eye toward it. And the books I'm now currently starting to work on, it is definitely influenced by the three books prior. And the character obviously continues to evolve. And the characters, not just the main character, but the other characters continue to evolve as well. I asked Mark if there's anything he knows now about writing thriller books that he wished he'd known when he started out. Yeah, you know, so the first book is a much, it's a fairly complicated financial scam that is unfolds and it's set in the midwest the other three books are all set in washington dc and so i probably would have not made the plot as intricate as i did because it maybe i wouldn't say intricate but it delves deeply into the sort of financial machinations that people might find a little bit hard to penetrate so now I have the ability to go back and kind of smooth that out and not make it so layered and complicated. Uh, fortunately, I know a, a number of journalists, obviously, and two whom are very good writers and one who is now a uh, full-time writer himself, a novelist, literary. And, you know, I was fortunate enough and lucky enough to have him read my manuscripts and give me a lot of feedback. And then I did get feedback. You know, we sent out ARCs, you know, advanced readers copy and got some feedback from reader groups and also, you know, early on from the agent and editor. There wasn't a ton of changes. My publisher now, I work with this editor on the East Coast, and she has been phenomenal. She has a great eye and also a very good ear and, you know, just cadence uh, suggestions. And one thing that I did not realize is a certainly on my first novel about the point of view shifting in, it shifted way too much within chapters, and she really was very disciplined about that. And that, that helps tremendously. So, you, you know, you're keeping the, the reader with the same point of view from the character throughout. And if you change, make sure that the change is really noticeable. So 
So unconsciously, I was changing within the chapter, and that was just her hard, fast rule that, you know, unless it's exceptional, you do not want to do that. So I would either do a chapter break or a new chapter where the point of view switched. And so now, as my writing progressed, I'm very aware of that and keep that at top of mind. I asked Mark to elaborate more on his thoughts about point of view. I just finished a book by Nelson DeMille, his first novel, Charm School, and he switches point of view from sentence to sentence within chapters. And in the past, I may have not have been so aware of it, but I certainly am now. And it is a little disorienting as you're hopping between people. So is Mark planning on a big promotion campaign to sell his series of books? So the first book we've promotion wise, we've done a lot of social media. We've done book bub. I've done readings. We you know we have a pretty good distribution channel. There was a, um, a run in the New York Times digital book section. So we've put a lot of effort behind promoting the first book. And we're just starting now to talk about what promotion looks like for the second book. And the first book, Hack, was an editor's choice on Amazon, which was a great achievement. I'm not sure. Amazon's a bit of a black box, so it's not, I'm not quite sure how they make that uh, decision. But that was a, a real boost on the promotional side. If you want to find out more information about Mark or read some of his books, he offers a number of resources which you should check out. So uh, markpulaski.com, it's P-A-W-L-O-S-K-Y, or Amazon or Bookshop. You can just search under my name and Hack. But my website has all four of my books, the two books that are coming out. Hack is already out. Friendly Fire, as I mentioned, is coming out in March. But you can pre-order Friendly Fire now on Amazon and see the opening chapter. And so it's available, Barnes & Noble, Google Books. It's available in audio and e-books as well. And finally, here's Mark on his process for turning his thriller book into an audio book. I had a narrator and I was really... I won't say skeptical, but I was hesitating to listen to it because I had the voice, you know, all the voices in my head of my characters. And I was, didn't know if the narrator would really be able to translate those voices the way I hear them. Uh, but he did a great job. I drove across to Colorado and I listened to it. It's a little over seven hours and it was, it was a fantastic listen. I was, I was really happy with how it came out. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. If you did, please consider leaving a short review on the iTunes store or sharing the show on Spotify, Stitcher or wherever you're listening. More reviews, more ratings and more shares will help more people find the Become a Writer Today podcast. And did you know for just a couple of dollars a month, you could become a Patreon for the show? Visit patreon.com forward slash become a writer today or look for the support button in the show notes. Your support will help me record, produce and publish more episodes each month. And if you become a Patreon, I'll give you my writing books, discounts on writing software and on my writing courses. Thank you.